Hello everybody and today I'm joined by Will Washington of the Grab City Podcast and the RBR Wrestling Podcast. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and let's get to it. Uh, so, you know, I've been uh, podcasting 16 years and so... Uh, part of what got me into podcasting, because when you really think about podcasting, it's really only been around about 17 years and it was new technology and I'm a really big tech head. I'm a software developer for a living. It's what I do. And uh, I, I saw this new technology that was out there because it really wasn't just about, you know, the talking. It was about the distribution of the content and the way it was being distributed. And I was actually really interested in that. And uh, there weren't too many people doing it, talking about wrestling at the time. I think there were two others at the time. And uh, that made me decide that I wanted to be one of the first to do it. And I just kind of got addicted to it. I love talking. I love talking to people. Um, and that's why I'm here. Uh, and so uh, doing the podcast for me just made sense. It made sense for who I was. I was 18 at the time. I'm 34 now, just turned 34. Uh, and so, yeah, it was just about being on the forefront of a technology that was brand new. And, you know, now podcasting is so ingrained in what people do in their everyday lives and they listen to them. And uh, it's just felt good to, to be able to say that I was, you know, uh, I've had people call me a pioneer. I don't know if I would necessarily use that term, but um, it's just, it, it has been nice to be uh, on that side of it and be able to say I've been doing it as long as I have been. I was here when all of you thought you were cool. Because it has, be, it has become cool to have a podcast. Everybody has a podcast nowadays. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was having a little bit of trouble with the last question. I, I basically said, some, sometimes you must think, when you see all these new people coming into the podcast, I was here. I was here before all of you. Yeah. So, you know, that that is interesting because there are so many people um, doing them now. I mean, wrestling podcasts in particular are a dime a dozen. There's so many out there. Right. And um, yeah, to me, it is. Uh, sorry, my phone just went off. I wasn't sure what that was. Uh, but yeah, there's 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 so many now that I honestly sometimes question. Um, and I, I think, you know, honestly, doing Grapsity is a good example of of answering that question but i sometimes question had i stepped into it uh even just two years later uh would i have been able to find the footing that i found um and luckily with grapsy now granted you know grapsy is a part of fightful and and so we have uh, uh we have a much bigger platform than a lot of people who don't necessarily have the means of just jumping into podcasting uh, on their own right now uh but at the same time, yeah, it, it has been just fascinating to watch it grow and to watch so many people get into it. And that like doing a wrestling podcast uh, can mean a lot of things because there's a lot of wrestlers who have podcasts now. There's a lot of ex-wrestlers who have podcasts uh, and uh, there's a lot of industry people that do them. And so it can mean a lot of things. It can mean you're a fan talking about it. It can mean you're an insider talking about it. It can mean that you're a, a, a former wrestler who's just giving uh, some some insight uh into the industry today or you could be giving advice there's so many different ways to do it now uh so yeah it, it it was nice though to be on that side of it and to help get it started as somebody that started really as somebody that started early in the podcasting game you think it's become a bit too easy but people just start their own podcast um so uh you know, as far as starting their own, you know, I, I've always said to people that uh, the best thing that, you know, the hard thing, especially when it comes to pro wrestling, is that uh, every take in pro wrestling has likely been dropped. Um, every opinion and style on pro wrestling has likely been said already. 
Um, so really, I've always told people when it comes to starting up a podcast, um, and a great example of that are my dudes over at uh, Public Enemies. I think they're a great example of it is sometimes uh, what you have to offer to podcasting is you because there's really only one you um, and there's really only one of anybody. Uh, and I always say that my my advice to anybody who, who is starting up a podcast uh, for any particular topic is make sure you're offering as much of you as you can because there's only one you and and while you offering your opinions on that one particular topic may be a dime a dozen, um, you doing it specifically isn't. And so I always say to people, just bring you to the table and I guarantee you um, somebody is going to be there for you and love what you have to offer on it. I, w- I would agree with that because sometimes people, people send me their podcast. And I only just started out, but they sent me their first episode, and I think, and I listen to them here, and I don't want to say they're bad, but they're like, they don't really bring anything different to the table, if you know, if you know what I mean. They just regurgitate what other people say. Yeah, and that and that's the thing is, and that's why I tell people just. Bring you. Don't don't bring somebody else. Don't bring somebody else's opinions you heard elsewhere. Don't bring, um, you know, don't try to be anybody else, because I guarantee you, you bring yourself. Um, there's there's going to be an audience for you. Uh, you know, for me, it's like. I I've always tried to ask myself who's listening to this and. uh in the same way that there's only one of you, uh, as far as who you are specifically, there's likely many of you as far as what your taste is. And so on the flip side of that, I've always said that uh, what you specifically have to offer um, may not appeal to everybody, but if it appeals to you, chances are it might appeal to somebody else. There's chances are there's somebody else who feels the way you do. And so on that on the same side of offering yourself and offering your unique perspective, keep in mind that if you like what you're putting out, chances are there's also somebody else who likes it. And so for me, it's like for a long time, I I used to question myself and think, who is this for? Who am I doing this for when I'm the only person who finds this funny? And then I would think, but I find this funny. And if I find this funny, chances are somebody else finds this funny. And so I'm going to do this. And uh, if it puts off people, fine. But as long as, there's somebody else like me who has my sense of humor and finds it funny or finds it good, then we're good. And we're going to keep doing it. And that's how we do what we do. And that's how we've, that's how I've been able to do it for so long. I agree. So, so when was the the first time you you started to realize that people, that people, that people were actually interested in what you had to say because I imagine when you first started, you spent a lot of time just speaking to yourself, just speaking to yourself, basically. <laughs> uh, so, you know what? It was honestly, well, I had a bit of a cheat code, I'm not going to lie, because when we started RBR, um, we started on the IGN message boards. Uh, it was the, um, the wrestling general board on IGN. And so it was a group of, because uh, we always considered we called it the WGB at the time and we had uh, a, a community there and so when I started uh, RBR it was myself uh, and I had picked up uh, I went first to Nick Marsico who was commission 13 on the IGN forums and I asked him uh, to join me because I knew he had experience with his college radio um, and I asked Anthony Scats just because he was a friend of mine who I talked to every single day and I knew he was somebody I wanted to podcast with. And then I asked Michael Z uh, because again, Michael Z uh, had radio experience. He had gone to, to Specs Howard um, in, in Michigan and he, he had experience. So um, I, I went to those four or it was the four of us because uh, we all had experience talking. And uh, except for me, I was actually the only one who didn't. Um, but I knew if I went to guys who had experience with with conversation that people could hear, um, I knew we could build something. But the, the thing about building an audience was, like I said, we had a little bit of a cheat, right? Because I dropped the podcast just on the IGN forums originally. I just dropped an MP3 file, loaded uh, and posted a link to, to all of these uh, people who were part of the WGB. 
and they all listened to it they gave us feedback and so we had an instant community of people and a lot of those people are still around uh shout out to marcelo on twitter um he's he's been around since day one uh and there's there's uh bc who has broken cycle on the uh the ig informs josh swallow uh there's there's so many guys mike harmeyer there's so many guys who are around at that time um that uh that helped kind of give us that audience so when we posted the show to itunes and posted the show to 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 other sites like there was odio which i think later became twitter um there were a lot of uh sites and whatnot that we were able to then get the show on but it kind of already had a built-in audience behind it so um other people kind of found the show and suddenly were like well you know these guys seem like they're having a bit of like a party every week uh, with these listeners who are in the chat and all of this stuff. And people started jumping in. And next thing you know, we kind of built the RBR neighborhood. And so we were, I, I never really found this show or specifically that show, RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk. I never really found that show being one where we were talking into the void because like I said, we kind of got to cheat a little bit because we got to start with the built-in audience. You call it a cheat. I just call it, I just call it being smart. But if, if, you. You know, if you know where, if you know where, if you know where an audience is and you have to collect and you have a way to get to that audience, why would you not use it? That's true. So, so, so have you ever thought about doing a non-wrestling podcast? I know you like your, I know you like your music. So have you thought about doing one of that music? Uh, so, you know, what's funny is, um, I guess I, I'll, I'll drop a little bit of a, a, a spoiler here because um, I recently came to the discovery that uh, one of my colleagues is a big Mariah Carey fan, much like myself. Um, there's actually a Mariah Carey pop vinyl, I think, back there. Um, but... Uh, and so because of that, we have uh, talked about doing this holiday season, a Mariah Carey podcast. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, and then, you know, honestly, like yeah, ever since we launched Grapsity uh, four weeks ago, or I guess it's been five weeks now, um, you know, we keep seeping into to music conversations. Yeah. We had a big conversation this past week on Grapsity about um, West Coast hip hop and the, the Bay Area scene. And it was a, a lot of fun having that conversation. Uh- I, I I really enjoyed that commentary, even though you're even though Grapsy is predominantly predominantly about wrestling. It's always nice to hear deviation from the main topic. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I I love that honestly, and that's part of that whole thing I was just talking about about bringing yourself to the table. That sometimes you're not going to stick to the topic at hand, uh, and that uh, Grapsy is a pro wrestling podcast, but. We have other interests that the three of us were all basketball fans. Um, shout out to Phil and his uh, his Bulls because they're doing quite well. Um, and we're all hip hop fans, uh, but we're all hip hop fans in different ways because um, Reg will give me crap about liking uh, Flo Rida and Reg. I do like Flo Rida, uh, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we we have our things and we do it. Uh, and, and like I said, if you bring pieces of yourself to the table um, when you're podcasting, uh, other than the topic at hand, I think people get to know you a lot better and feel like they know you a lot better. And uh, that's always what I've tried to do. I can't say that was intentional. I think I just tend to word vomit when I talk. And so as a result of that, uh, I, uh, I'm i just the type of person who um, will, will spill his heart and spill his feelings about everything when he talks. And so that has allowed the RBR neighborhood and now this Rhapsody audience to kind of get to know me a lot better. Uh, and yeah, I, 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 I can't necessarily say that I have any desire to do um, like a whole series about much else. Like I, I like wrestling because it's a continuous thing. Um, wrestling uh, is, a, is kind of an easy thing to podcast about because um, no matter what promotion you're into, they likely run 52 weeks a year. And so uh you likely won't run out of content. And so uh, that is uh, basically how that works. I think it's possible to do a podcast by yourself or do you need to have multiple people to, to really make it work? 
Um, I mean, it depends. Yeah, I, I could do a podcast by myself. I have done podcasts by myself. Um, because again, if you get me started on a topic, uh, I might not be able to stop. I think one of the, um, I listened to, for example, my old co-host from RBR, Maxwell Baumbach. I think he is the king of doing podcasts by himself. Uh, if you ever listen to him do Indies Man or anything along those lines, he is so good. Or against all pods, um, he was so good at basically just being able to handle a topic by himself and guide people through the topic by himself and take the audience where he was going and take them along his thought process. And he didn't necessarily need anybody to kind of bounce thoughts off of. He's very, very good at that. And there's a lot of guys I can listen to who have been able to do it. And uh, I've only done it a couple of times. Um, that's not to say I can't. Uh, I like conversation and I like the back and forth and I like banter. Uh, and so that's just my preferred style of podcasting. But I could if I wanted to. Can I try it a couple of times? And yeah. it never really works for me. It's not that I don't have good opinion. But it feels like I'm, I'm, dra- I'm dragging... I'm dragging the episode along rather than flowing through it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. So, I, so, how did you get a vote to start? Gratitude on Fight for was it just contacted by Sean or did you reach out to him or what happened? Uh, so, honestly, uh, Grapsity was kind of a... Um, a combination of a lot of things kind of happening all at once uh, in that it started with me doing a sideshow to RBR called wrestling with weekends um, where I wanted to do a weekend wrestling show. And I, uh, and so I had started that I did it for seven weeks. And in those seven weeks, um, I kind of had this rotating um, second chair next to me. Right. I, I was, I did the show uh, with uh, Jesse Davin was my first week. Um, I have Phil Lindsay uh, on the second week. I had Maddie Anderson. I had um, I had Righteous Reg. I had Joe Holbert. I had Barry Murphy, um, and I had uh, uh, Rob um, B. Rob of uh, Random Ramblings of Rob. And uh, so I just noticed that uh, the way the show was going. I, I had a really good rapport with Phil Lindsay when I had him on. I had done a podcast with him back when we did the Revolution Post show. Um, and uh, and he and I have had good conversations before. And I've always supported the stuff Phil does. I think he's an excellent writer. Um, and then Reg, same deal. Uh, I think what Reg does with the Black Wrestling's 500 and his work in PWI uh, is always so good. And he and I did that podcast together. And he and I just had great rapport. But then him and Phil also always had um, a great relationship. And, you know, Phil had done his old podcast um, before. And so Reg had kind of mentioned at the end of the show, one day he had said, uh, or he, at the end of the podcast, he and I did, he was like, um, you know, I gave him the obligatory, Hey, we got to do this again sometime. And he said, yeah, maybe one day you, me and Phil will do a podcast. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe we should. And then the show ended. And I thought, actually, he's right. I think me, him and Phil should do a podcast. And so that Monday I approached Phil and I asked Phil how he would feel about doing this show with me and Reg. And Phil was like, I'm in. Um, and so then I went to Reg and I said, how would you feel about doing a show with me and Phil? And Reg was like, I'm in. And I was like, sweet, got them both in. And so we started bouncing around ideas and talking about what we wanted the show to be. And uh, and then the name Grapsity just kind of came to me and uh, I put it in the chat, uh, in our group chat, and I was like, how about Grapsity? And they were like, we're in Grapsity. And so we had a podcast set. And then, so Grapsity was in, was already going to go with or without Fightful. Um, but I felt like, you know, it was either start this new show kind of on our own, or, uh, you know, I thought, for the conversation that we wanted to bring to the table, for the conversation we wanted to have, for the type of conversation we wanted to have, um, and for bringing, um, I think, because as Phil likes to say, because it's very true, um, Black people are not a monolith. There's not one opinion among Black people. Um, there's a lot of different takes among Black people because there's a lot of different types of Black people. It is not... Um, there's not a one size fits all for the conversations that black people are having, especially around sports entertainment. Uh, and so 
we we knew what we had to bring to the table. We knew what we had to offer. And so I did approach um, Sean Ross Sapp about uh, doing the show with Fightful. And I, I scheduled a meeting with him and he and I talked about it and I told him exactly what we were thinking and what we wanted to bring to the table. And Sean uh, was like, okay, I'm in. Uh, and he asked when we wanted to do it. And I thought, okay, well, Saturdays was, was when I was doing wrestling with weekends anyway. Uh, let's do Saturdays. And so that's how that all came about. And Grapsity was just kind of born out of that. And uh, I'm like really grateful to all the support that everybody at Fightful's given us, Jeremy and Joe and, and Kate uh, and Sean himself. And of course, Jimmy Van um, has been just, uh, you know, obviously he owns Fightful and he's yeah. uh, just been so gracious to have us there. And so like just all of it coming together the way it did and as quickly as it did, uh, I couldn't be happier. So... So, what has been your favorite episode so far? For my personal favorite, was the one that you did last week. It was really, it was really a good laugh, and I really enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed the conversation anyway, but last week's was my favorite one. Was one of my favorites so far. <clears throat> well, that, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I would say. Uh, two weeks ago, um, we did the episode, uh, that, um, after Reg went to that episode of raw and, uh, and he, uh, the way he just ranted on having gone to raw. And then of course he mentioned bringing the Boston baked beans and we gave him all the crap about, uh, bringing beans to raw. Um, I, I've had, you know, podcasting 16 years, I've had some great episodes of RBR. I had great episodes of Now Playing Now. I've had great episodes of Morning Toast. Every show I had ever hosted, I've had great episodes of. But I will say that that particular episode of Grapsity, episode three, was some of the best laughs I've had on a podcast ever. I was in tears at the Beans conversation. And just, uh, just so much <laughs> of that stuff was so much fun. Uh, I, that's probably my favorite episode so far uh was episode three let's 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 something i forgot to ask you a bit earlier do you know when you were younger did you did you always have the did you always have the gift of speaking or would you quite would you quite reserved when you were younger um honestly uh it depended because uh i've always been able to to speak you know my mom has always told me that um you know if you get me started i don't stop um, that that's why there's been four hour, or four hour episodes of RBR, because if you get me going, I just can go, 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 go. Um, but I was a really shy, reserved person, um, especially as a teenager, uh, that, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of friends and people who uh, knew me in high school were usually like, wow, he's so quiet. And then, but every, all my close friends were like, no, he's not. Uh, Will Washington doesn't stop talking. And they're like, what are you talking about? This guy never talks. So it depended because uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily have it with strangers. Um, it was always like, if you were close to me, I could, I could just jabber, jabber, jabber. Uh, but then uh, I, I was a really reserved kid. I was a really reserved teenager. Um, and it wasn't until I turned about 18, 19 that something kind of like switched in me and I kind of became this like, social butterfly and i just love talking to everybody and uh i i start random conversations with people in line at the grocery store um because that's just who i am uh but i definitely didn't have it as a kid uh, as a kid i could talk but i just didn't have the 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 heart or the will to do so i had the will because it's me but i didn't have you know what i mean i i i enjoyed speaking to everybody as well because when when I when I when I was born here, yeah, I I was told here yeah, that I was that I was always going to be non-verbal, yeah. and and at the age of six, I just started I just started talking, and I and now you can't get me to sure. So yeah, so yeah, I think I think a lot, I think everybody that is a podcaster. They take a while to find their voice, but once they do, it's, it's all right to get them to show off. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, once you've got it, um, it, it is it's yours, and you, it's hard to lose it. I think anyway. Sixteen years in, I haven't lost it yet. Uh, I think once you've got it, it's you're just gonna keep going. Um, so we have very much talked about guests and, and the plan is for guests um, in the very, very near future, um, because uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that we uh, we wanted to get established as a group first. We want to make sure that people know us as a trio, that people know our dynamic with each other and who we are as individuals um, and before we started introducing guests into the fold. The kind of cool thing is we all have our ties to pro wrestling in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, Phil writes for Bleacher Report, and he's done some great interviews over the years. He did that article for Complex um, just last year where he got to talk to Scorpio Sky and Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida. Um, and you know, Reg, uh, having been around as long as he's been doing things and doing the black wrestling's 500, uh, you know, he's gotten to know a lot of talent as well. And then he's also, he's got friends in the business, you know, he attends a lot of indie shows. And the cool thing is, uh, for me as well, when you get to know indie wrestlers, um, and you make friends with indie wrestlers, or you have a cousin in my case, who was an indie wrestler at one point, the cool thing is, uh these guys eventually get signed um a lot of indie guys do and then all of a sudden um you go from knowing guys at your local indie show to knowing guys who are in uh wwe or knowing guys who are in aew and uh and so we've over the years uh, all of us have kind of made friends with people who are in the industry and in the business and uh we talked from day one that at uh some point in the very near future we want to have those guys that we know um, on uh, Grapsity. And then on top of that, we want to get to know people on Grapsity. And so we're, we're going to do interviews. There's, there's, we've got a lot um, that we want to do uh, ambitiously. Uh, just at the moment, the goal was uh, to really get us started as a trio first. Uh, but at some point, we are going to do guests. Um, and not just guests as far as interviews are concerned, but also just people um, around because the, the community is so big and I want to make sure that everybody is eating um, and everybody uh, is at the table. And uh, if Grapsity being on Fightful means that we've gotten kind of a slightly bigger platform than some have gotten, then I want to make sure that um, that some of the people that have been around us and that we consider friends and things like that uh, also get uh, a piece of that as well and and get to grow their brands as well yeah so so, so, the, so the, the main point is that you that you that you want that you want to make it or my apology you want to make it about you you free as a whole before you start inviting other people onto it so it's not, it's not just become like the guest Right. Uh, well, yeah, because there's a lot of podcasts out there that are just about the guests. And that's not to say that that's a bad thing. Um, I just want to make sure that um, that people get to know us before, you know, because people are going to tune in for our guests. And, and uh, I think that's a good thing. I think it is always a good thing to uh, to bring people in to your product by uh, people who are fans of of the particular guests you have on. Um, but at the same time, I also want the show because like I said, the, uh, for me, a podcast is about bringing yourself to the table. And so I want to make sure that people do know us as well and know what we bring to the table and know what, uh, just what we have to offer. Yeah. I, I completely, I completely understand that. That's that the one thing I struggle with sometimes. I don't know if you've seen much of my work yet, but it's, predo it's, predominantly, it's predominantly interviews, yeah. So sometimes mm -hmm. I can get caught in the in the rut of just interviewing people. So that's all people really care about. So, mm -hmm. it, so it's something I need to work on. 
I mean, maybe that's okay. Like if that's the product you're putting out there. Um, and, and because one of the things that when I say bring yourself to the table, one of the things that, um, some people are, are just good interviewers and people who just the part of who you might be is just somebody who likes to get to know people. And, you know, if that is who you are and in your personality, then in that same token, interviewing people is bringing yourself to the table. And so, uh, at, at the same time, you're still putting out what you have to offer. And what you have to offer is, is talking to people and asking people questions about themselves and getting uh, your audience to get to know somebody new. You have a relative in the, in the difficult sometimes to give you, to give you constructive criticism when you're when you're related to somebody involved or or is it or is it just as anything else? Um well I I feel like this. Look pro wrestling is entertainment. And so at the end of the day, constructive criticism or biased criticism, who cares? It's just something you like. And if that's the case, um you could put it out there any way you want. It is true that I do have a bias toward, um, uh, especially toward wrestlers that I either consider friends or wrestlers that I am related to. Um, and so when I see them compete, I'm constantly rooting for them to succeed, regardless of the quality of the work that's being put out. Um, and that said, I don't think they put out bad work anyway. But uh, regardless of, because I'll see, People knock certain things that are being done. Uh, I'll see it on Twitter. I'll see things like that. Uh, and yeah, you won't hear that from me um, as far as my people are concerned because I just want to see my people eat. I just want to see my people succeed. Uh, I just want to see them have fun uh, while they're doing it. And so, yeah, I'm always going to be a supporter. Um, and it, it probably is really difficult to me uh, for me to be objective about things like that. And and why of what I like about you in particular, you never hot, you've never, you've never hidden it. You've always been, you've always been open and honest with people and say, I do have a, I do have a relative that's, that's in the business. So, so I, I respect that because it would be, it would be one thing if you, if you, if you chose to hide it and then you'll be, and then you'll be biased for no reason. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so um, that's the thing is I'm also just very forthright about things that um, that, yeah, I, uh, I, I it, it would be hard for me to hide that at this point, because, um, you know, with with uh, my cousin Shane Strickland, um, you know, he had done RBR years ago. Uh, we had him on the show, I think, six or seven years ago. And that was back when he was in um, Lucha Underground uh, as Killshot. And uh, you know, I put out there that this is, this is my cousin, um, and that our dads are brothers and that, you know, this is somebody that is up and coming in the wrestling industry and that I want to see succeed. Um, and so when he got signed to WWE, uh, it was, I couldn't hide that fact because it was already out there before he ever got signed that, uh, he was my relative. Um, so like on that same front, even if I wanted to hide it, I couldn't. And even if I but even still, why would I want to hide that? Dude's on SmackDown. He's a former North American champion. Uh, he has had uh, such a great run, and he's now in Hit Row, and he, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is the leader of Hit Row, and, uh, and I think there's much more success headed his way. Um, they just kind of kicked off a few with the New Day last week on SmackDown. I think the sky's the limit for those guys, and so I'm going to root for him as long as I can. As a fan, as a fan, I must say, he's very, he's very, he's very, he's very entertaining, either in the ring or on the microphone. He's very, he's very engaging with the viewers. I think he's one of the best in the ring, period. Um, I, I've watched him work in front of uh, audiences that had no idea where he, who he was. And by the end of the match, we're chanting swerve. He made um, his, 
uh, I guess you could kind of call it main roster debut as far as like touring was concerned um, at the American Airlines Arena in Miami, uh, where he had a match with Drew Gulak, um, who at the time was the Cruiserweight champion on 205 Live. So this was after an episode of SmackDown. And he kind of came out and there were like a handful of people, maybe chanting Swerve. Not a whole lot of people knew who he was, but I swear by the end of that match, People were chanting swerve uh, and people were getting to know who he was. And I think that is a testament to his abilities in the ring. When he gets going, when he uh, when he gets that fire under him in the ring and he starts uh, letting off that flurry of offense and hitting some of the cool shit that he can do. Um, and this is as a baby face. Uh, I think he does such a great job of just capturing the crowd. And that is such a skill in pro wrestling. Um, and that's why I do think he is truly one of the best. And that's as a baby face. Now he's currently working as a heel. And I think that he, the, the exploration of his heel work um, kind of shows that he's way more versatile than people thought he was. Uh, and I couldn't say enough great things about um, Isaiah Swerve Scott. I just think he is uh, this cream of the crop. Uh, and I think the sky's the limit for him. Whenever somebody says, uh, and I see it a lot, people say that he has just star written all over him. No question about that for me. I feel like uh, you could absolutely see that this is a man who could possibly, if given the opportunity, transcend pro wrestling uh, because also he's a great rapper that's the other thing too the man also um you know because if, if you haven't heard uh what he puts out there as far as um not just with hit row but also sports uh, city him him and montezzi do uh they do great work um they've got a song with big swole that was pretty much like my go-to anthem two years ago for the longest time i just loved it so much uh yeah i can't I could, like I said, I could go on and on. Uh, if you get me started, I wouldn't stop. There's so much goodness I could say about just all of them as people. Try it, even when we young. Um, as far as wrestling was concerned, yeah. Um, yeah, and I've taken a couple of bumps, and uh, I decided not for me, uh, because you know, um, falling down on a hard surface is exactly what it sounds like um as much as you know there are slight tricks to it like slapping the mat and whatnot and breaking your fall all of that at the end of the day it still knocks the wind out of you it's still like obviously those guys are adjusted to it they can do it and do it fine um but the first time i took that bump i decided this is not for me um but i'll tell you about it and i could talk about it uh, and I can tell you what I like about it, but doing it myself, not for me. I, I, I won't say yeah, but if I did not have this disability that I have, yeah, I probably would at least try to try and at least, because it's, it's, it's one of my, you know, sometimes you always wonder that, that thing, and I've always wondered, what, what would you, what would I have been like if I would have tried to try just out of interest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I can't. But you know what I mean. Like you always think, you always think that certain things that you know can never really happen. But you always think that then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I honestly like. Um, I I can look back at that and say that. Uh, yeah, I almost miss having the dream, right? Uh, because. At one point, it was the dream, you know, oh, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I'm going to travel the world and do all these things. And then it was like the first time I realized it wasn't for me. Um, you know, I, I, I do uh, I do miss having the vi- I, I do miss having the dream. Um, I'll say that much in like uh, it being a part of my imagination of like, yeah, all it would take is me getting into pro wrestling and then I'd be uh, a world champion. Um, and <laughs> and instead. Uh, I, I'm here talking about it, but I'm talking about it with you, and and I enjoy doing that. Have you ever thought that I didn't comment on you or doing the night, you know, being a manager? Um, <laughs> uh, I've I've thought about both. Uh, I mean, like commentary is fun, um, and uh, it is very much something that I can do and have done. Uh, I don't know if I could do it full time, um, but I've given it thought. Yeah. 
where do you think wrestling is going to be in five years, like with podcasting, like, that sort of thing? Do you think it will be bigger or do you think the bubble would have burst and a lot of, a lot of podcasters would have fallen off, if you know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Because it's been there's been such a cycle. Like I was literally just looking yesterday at uh, RBR's peak numbers. Um, and when did RBR hit its peak? RBR hit its peak in 2019. And what happened in 2019? It was the launch of AEW and NXT going head to head. And so um, I think wrestling podcasts, specifically podcasts that cover pro wrestling, uh, will continue to grow the more um, interest in pro wrestling itself grows. Uh, And so if wrestling in five years is bigger than it is today, if if we have a kind of a full-fledged war between companies and, and, uh, and, you know, we, at five years from now, you know, obviously contracts will have expired in AEW. We'll have seen talent probably go back and forth. Uh, and I think free agent season will be a lot bigger, and I think that will end up growing the industry. I think podcasts will grow with that. I think when the industry is at its most um, quiet, I think that's what grows through the wrestler podcast, because uh, when wrestling, uh, say, five, six years ago, was really just like monopolized by WWE, and Impact was kind of at their low lows, um, although some would argue that's today. Um, and the indie, the indie scene was kind of trying to figure itself out. One of the things people wanted to hear was podcasts from former wrestlers talking about the glory days. And so we did get a, a rise in podcasts from guys like Steve Austin, guys like Ric Flair. Um, and I think that uh, it'll happen one way or the other. It's one of those, I think, podcasts that cover wrestling will grow if wrestling grows, if wrestling shrinks again i think that's when we see a rise in podcasts of you know obviously if aew folds tomorrow we're going to hear podcasts from guys like john moxley and tony khan and chris jericho and talking about the glory days of aew right um and if aew continues to grow then we're going to see more content from guys like me who are going to just continue talking about it so uh, I, I can't predict where it's going to go because there's a lot of intangibles that could change a lot of things. But I will say that uh, I think wrestling podcasts will do well no matter what. It's just the type of wrestling podcast. A, a couple more general wrestling questions. Let me wrap it up. Is that okay? Okay. So, as, as, as you just mentioned, AEW, forgot to be honest, AEW has really... I don't wanna I don't wanna say I don't wanna say save my say my interest, but it definitely made me more excited about about pro wrestling. To be honest, watching WWE week to week it's very it's very un unsatisfying. I feel like there's no reason to watch week to week because the because there's not really much storyline continuation. Like with AEW, it feels like you're watching one continuous story. And then when you watch WWE, you might see one thing one week, and then the next week they've done something that completely, that completely counter, counter pretty. But you know what I mean, like the basically the basically the story part and started again week to week. Yeah, so um I mean I, I agree with everything you said there because um I think anybody that follows me knows that um I, I like AEW. Um that's not to say that I like them because of uh who they are as a company or you know, or I like the initials AEW, like that has nothing to do with it. It's really um, because they're putting on the type of pro wrestling that I like. And so, uh, because that's happening, um, I, uh, I, it, it does interest me more, right? I, I feel like week to week, Wednesday nights, I'm excited because 
I'm getting an exciting show. I'm the type of person who likes lengthy matches. I like um, I like when the product is focused on the the wrestling in the ring. I'm not a big fan of like soap opera type drama, um, which is what like SmackDown and things like that offer. Um, and that's not to say I dislike SmackDown. I don't dislike SmackDown. Um, but uh, I just feel like the type of wrestling that's for me is very in-ring focused. And AEW gives me that. I like storytelling when it's being told in the ring, not necessarily when commentary and video packages and um, long drawn out promos are trying to do the storytelling for me. And so, um, yeah, I am excited about AEW as a product because I feel like it's a wrestling product that is geared toward who I am as a wrestling fan. I, um, I do say, I do say, I lay to be with you rarely get 20 minute promo. We might get, <laughs> we, we might get a five minute promo and then right. they might they might fill up that promo with enough content to make it feel like it's been going for 20 minutes when it's only been going for five. Yeah, uh, I, I think that uh, because there's been some great promos in AEW, uh, especially in the last couple of years, but uh, yeah, there's not necessarily the long drawn out promo. You're never going to get that uh, that 20 minute opening segment where somebody comes out, welcomes you to the show, does some general talking about general things, is interrupted by somebody um, who then comes out and they air their grievance and they go back and forth with their grievances. And then authority figure comes out and says, this is a great idea. We're going to have this match tonight. And then that's the main event. And it's like rinse and repeat that segment. Um, you're never going to get that. And so as a result, I feel like the promos tend to have more substance and I'm happier with that. Again, it has nothing to do with simply liking them more as a company and more so with that company putting on the show that I prefer to watch. For me personally, I just want to see see a good product. And I do have my criticisms of AEW, I think. We all do. They need to be a lot better with the diversity of the roster as a whole. Uh, yeah, and, and we've talked about that. Uh, we have that conversation on, um, on Grapsity. Um, I think there's, uh, there's some carefulness that has to happen with that conversation, and um, I want AEW to handle that topic with care because uh, what I don't want... Um, is to simply push a black person because you found a random black person. I want it to be, um, I want, I want to feel like, uh, like I feel about Kenny Omega about the, the first black talent AEW pushes. I don't want it to feel like somebody that they just kind of grabbed just to do it. Cause I don't think that's what WWE did. And I'm not saying that's what WWE did. I think Big E is one of the best. I think Big E's an all time. Great. Um, I uh, have said before how much uh, I think Xavier Woods is, is one of my role models in terms of um, who he is and how he's been able to get there. And, uh, and so when we talk about that, um, a lot of these guys have been around a long time, and a lot of those guys, you know, Biggie, uh, it was around for nine years before he won a world title. Uh, Kofi was around eleven years before he won a world title. Bobby Lashley, fifteen years, um, and so on. And my point there, and I'm not saying that it needs to take that long because it shouldn't take that long, uh, and I'm not saying for AEW it should take that long. But what I am saying is that I really want uh, AEW to to push that uh, when they push their black talent. I want it to be the uh, the right talent, and and I want it to be there in the same way that it was with, um, you know, looking at it uh, from the aspect of AEW pushing Mexican wrestlers. They pushed the Lucha Bros, and they pushed the Lucha Bros at the right time. They pushed the Lucha Bros at, to tag team titles uh, mm-hmm. as as they were kind of in the midst of one of the best runs of their careers. As they put themselves on the map, as the one of the best tag teams of all time. Um, and in that same way, I want, uh, I want to feel like, like, good example. I think Scorpio Sky is one of the best in-ring talents AEW has, period, point blank. Um, and I am hoping, I, 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 I do think, just saying this out loud, 
I think he's going to be the guy to beat Sammy Guevara. Um, and I want it to feel like Scorpio Sky. I want everybody to feel like Scorpio Sky is one of the best. I want them to feel like when they see him holding the TNT championship and being uh, kind of the face of, as they call it, the, the network, when he holds that title, I want it to feel like, damn, he is one of the best in the ring. He's one of the best talents they've got. And he's a world champion. I don't necessarily want, because I feel like the reaction, if it just kind of happened out of nowhere, I feel like the reaction would be, oh, AEW is pushing a black talent. Good. I don't necessarily just want that. I want it to be AEW pushed um, a black talent who is one of the best in the same way that Kenny Omega is one of the best in the same way that, um, that Hangman Adam Page is one of the best in the same way that John Mox is one of the best. I want to feel like the person they push is not only black, but is one of the best. That's how I feel, and that's what I want to see out of pro wrestling. So, for so good standard example, if AEW for Jonathan Gresham in and it'd be Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship, I would not, I would not have any complaint to that because he's one of the best in the world. Period. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so that's the thing is, um, one of the things I have felt is that, um, when it comes to, to AEW and, and, uh, signing black talent, one of the things that is going to allow Tony Khan to put his money where his mouth is, is ring of honor, um, and ring of honor, uh, essentially releasing everybody from their contracts because, uh, for the longest time, you know, when AEW first launched, there was the a question of, uh, you guys didn't sign much black talent. And then the, the response to that was typically, well, you know, what high profile black talent was available in the same way that the Bucks were available in the same way that Kenny was available in the same way that Cody was available. Fair response, I suppose. Um, but now, now all of a sudden there's, there's a, a going to be a slew of high profile indie black talent that's going to be available and in that same way and, and i'm glad that they snatched up lee moriarty because i feel like um while he wasn't necessarily high profile his profile was growing and they definitely uh, made sure to get him on board and you know he got his all elite graphic and i'm really happy for lee moriarty um and and at the same time like i said i i, I do want to see like a shane taylor productions get signed and there's there's going to be a lot of guys that i want to see uh get as because what I think everybody's ring of honor contract is going to be up um, at the end of this year. So there's two more months left when those two months hit. Uh, I want to see uh, AEW take a look at those guys. I want to see them take a look and I keep saying guys, but also Trisha Dora needs to be looked at. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are going to need to be looked at and not passed over. And January is going to be the point where Tony Khan can put his money where his mouth is on the top. I want to see JTG get signed. I feel like, uh, people don't realize that JTG in crime time was only in his early twenties. And so when a lot of people talk about JTG, they're like, Oh yeah, he's passed. You know, his time has passed. The guy's 34. He's got all the time. Uh, obviously not all the time, but he's got a lot more time. He's got a lot left in the tank. And that dude is fit. He's so fit. He's so athletic. JTG is a guy that I want to see signed uh, and get one more crack at being, um, a single star that he didn't get to be in WWE. Do you know, do you know the CBS tournament? Yeah, obviously I do. It's a, so far it's been done really well. At least I think so. I think so too. But 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 my main concern is I think they're gonna give the back to Jade, and I just don't think I just don't think it's gonna work very well because she's still quite new, and I don't and I don't think it'll be a good. First champion. I disagree. I think that um, I think it's almost perfect for somebody like Jade because uh, Jade is undefeated. Jade is basically a a mountain to climb um, in both physically and proverbially, or proverbially. Um, and so when I think about Jade Cargill, I feel like if you combine those two things, if you make it so that um, her undefeated streak suddenly has a bigger attachment to it, because the person, the first person who beats Jade Cargill is going to get a, a, a big rub out of it. I think that 
all of a sudden this is the person to beat Jade Cargo. But could you imagine if not only is there now a win attached to beating Jade Cargo, but all of a sudden now beating the undefeated Jade Cargo now gets you a championship? I think she's the perfect person for the first TBS champion because then she can go continue the undefeated streak, continue to be dominant, but then whoever finally beats her not only conquered the streak, but has the gold to prove it. And that's why, to me, I would go with Jade Cargill. I think that uh, it is a, it's actually the opposite, I think, of her being too green to do it. I think, if anything, that actually kind of protects her. Because all of a sudden now, she's the champion. Not everybody gets a crack at Jade Cargill. You have to earn your crack at Jade Cargill. And so, therefore, she isn't the type of person who should be having matches all the time. She's a person who should only be having matches when it matters. And I think, in that sense, it protects Jade Cargill and doesn't necessarily expose her as much. And That's if, my thought. And if you remember in WCW, Goldberg was the U.S. champion. And he it was. was uh, I, I, I think, I think sometimes, I, I think, I, I feel like sometimes you don't need that. You don't need to have 20 minute matches, you can do it in five. Mm-hmm. So I think I think I'll do it. I think I was a bit hasty there to be to be <laughs> honest. Who knows, man? So my my last and final question. Or yes. are you looking forward to full gear? Uh, I am. Um, I'm going to be talking about Full Gear a lot. So uh, this will be the first AEW pay-per-view this year that I won't get to attend because I'll be at Paul Griffin's wedding in uh, in Houston. Uh, but I will be doing a lot of Full Gear coverage um, for Fightful and then also for uh, Barstool as well. Uh, and I'm very much looking to Full Gear. I look at that card uh, and there's that card looks so good um, with Kenny and Hangman. I've been waiting on that for a really long time. Um, I, I wasn't sure when the trigger, when it was time to pull the trigger on that, but I'm glad it's right now. Uh, and, uh, I'm looking forward to, um, the, the tournament final. I think it is going to end up being Moxley and Brian. Brian's my all time favorite wrestler. Moxley was my favorite wrestler last year. Uh, what I love about Brian right now is how physical and violent he's gotten. But when you think about violence in pro wrestling, there's nobody more violent than John Moxley. So I think that's a great combination. Uh, I, um, what else is on that card? I think that uh, Ty Conti and Grant Baker is going to deliver. I think that, um, uh, you know, whatever they end up doing, because I think it's going to be the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express. They, those two teams had a match back at, um, all out 2020 that I think was the match of the night and got overlooked because of the fact that it wasn't for the titles. Um, But then if Christian ends up returning and facing Adam Cole, I think that'll deliver. We end up with uh, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. That's going to be a blast. Uh, And so just really, uh, Oh, MJF and Darby, I think is going to come through. Uh, And I'm, I'm just spouting matches off the top of my head. I, I, I'm trying to think of what else is on that card, but uh, Oh, FTR and the Lucha Bros is another one that I think is uh, has already delivered the two times we've seen it. We saw it last summer in the match where um, Dax removed um, Ray Phoenix's mask. And then we just saw it a couple weeks ago with the Triple the A tag titles on the line. Um, but this time, just in a straight up AEW World Tag Team title match, the Lucha Bros versus FTR, I think is going to deliver. Uh, so really, just looking at that card, uh, and there's a lot more you could throw on there. But for now, I think this is a card that's going to deliver. Um, I wish I could be there in Minneapolis because uh, I've never been to Minneapolis. But uh, I think it's going to be a great card. Brian Danielson epitomizes what I love about AEW because I've been watching wrestling for nearly 20 years. Now it's just seeing... That thing, Brian Danielson, do you think of all this stuff? Like, I like, I like, I have to, like, I have to five and all that stuff. It really makes me, it really makes me, it really makes me happy. And it awards long, long, long time viewers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Uh, and Brian's so great, isn't he? 
I just yeah. I love Brian so much. He and you could tell he's just having the time of his life doing the wrestling he's getting to do right now and getting to be the character he's being right now. I, I love Brian. I couldn't say enough great things about him. I think I think he's one of the best in the world. I think if he were, I think because of his age and because he was in WWE for so long, a lot of it, there's some people that sleep on him. Yeah, but there's no reason to. He's the best in the world. I don't think there's anybody who does this better than Brian Danielson. Okay, and I might thank you for coming on. Do you want to promote your stuff? Absolutely. You can check out Grapsity. It airs every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That is at youtube.com slash Fightful. Um, and thank you for having me. Um, and I, I really appreciate you reaching out to me, and, and I re- really appreciate you giving me um, the time to talk with you. It was a lot of fun. Thank you to Will Washington for coming on, and I hope you enjoyed it, and I will speak to you soon. And it will be out very, very, very soon. So have a good day.